Amen, amen. Hey, welcome to Victory Church. Whether you're with us in person or whether you're watching online, I tell you what, you can just kind of turn around and do an air high five for a moment. If you see somebody near you, just say, hey, giving you some love. I'm giving a back rows, kind of some air high fives. Uh, in a pandemic world, we no longer can hug and kiss and rub and, you know, whatever you do when you first meet somebody, right? Isn't that what we do? No? Okay. Um, uh, air high fives. But hey, welcome to Victory Church. Again, all of our family that's watching online, welcome to you as well. So glad to to be with you. Before we jump into the word this morning, I just want to say thank you, sir. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. If you are visiting with us today, whether you're visiting with us here in person or whether you're visiting with us online, maybe this is your first time with us. Maybe you've been here for a couple of weeks. Maybe you've been watching for a couple of weeks. I want to encourage you to do something. If you're watching online, there's going to be a number on the screen. Do me a favor and text that number, that number will give some information to me so that I can reach out and connect with you and just be able to answer any of your questions and welcome you to the family. If you're with us in person, I'd love to encourage you to, right after church, my wife and I will be in the lobby. We'd love, again, to just meet you, uh, even though we might have to see each other mask to mask instead of face to face. We'd love to just meet you and uh, welcome you to the family. So glad that you're here. Also, if you're looking for ways to give or support, obviously you know if you're online, you can do that through our website and through the text to give option. But we've added an option for those of us that are meeting in person. We're wanting to do the best that we can to give you kind of a contactless way to give. And so as you walk out, if you're somebody that doesn't like to give online, you like to give checks or cash, as you walk out, you'll see kind of a black box standing there. Um, and that's just an opportunity for you to be able to give contactless instead of us passing uh, buckets or so through to just doing our best to keep you safe and to keep your family healthy during this season. Amen, church? And then also, last but not least, we are coming up on our three-year-old birthday as a church. Come on, let me hear you. We're turning three. We're turning three. If you have a three-year-old, you know what to expect from our church moving forward. Just a bunch of fit-throwing and, you know, no's. Uh, but, but obviously, we can't celebrate like, we, like we'd want to do here in person. Uh, but we are going to be doing some special things online. So you'll be doing kind of some recaps and some testimonies and some giveaways and all kinds of different things to just say, hey, we're celebrating three years as a church. January 2018 we started this church, we launched it, and here we are, January, or I'm, are we in January? Yeah, January, sorry, I'm pandemic messed you up, man. Uh, January 2020, uh, and so we're turning three, and we're excited about all that God is doing, has done. What? 2021. 2021, okay. See, I told you. you know, they say you get brain fog from this stuff. I'm telling you, I don't even know where I am right now. Look, because of that, y'all might want to get ready. There's no telling what I might say today. Uh, I'm a little worried. We might just need to cut live stream and just go, everybody go home and eat Denny's or whatever it is that you do. Uh, hey, if you got your Bibles, all right, turn to the book of John chapter 13. Um, I, here's one thing I do know is I do know what I'm preaching. We are in uh, the book of John chapter 13. I've been in this series now for, I want to say it's been about 19 weeks, maybe 20 uh, that we just kind of been going through the book of John. Last week, we were in John chapter 12, and we talked about uh, how Mary anointed the feet of Jesus uh, at this dinner in Bethany, um, and then we're jumping into 13 today. And so, so one of the things that we mentioned last week, and I do want to share this again, and I'm going to try to share this every Sunday as we get started. Um, we talked last week about the importance of you knowing what you believe, I think a lot of what we're experiencing right now in our country and in our culture are people reacting to the fact that they aren't really certain what they believe. Like, they might have said it because their parents believed it or because their friends said it or maybe their pastor said it, but they didn't really believe it. And so we said, hey, look, 
2021 is the year of believe. So we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to build what we believe. And then on Easter Sunday, I'm going to show you how you can be confident in what you believe. And then for the rest of the year, we're going to go through the book of Acts and we're going to talk about how to live what we believe. And so I'm super excited about this. I got some cool announcements coming for you for the vision of 2021. But uh, so last week we talked about the very first foundational belief you have to have, which is this, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the, the one that you can trust for salvation. So we just said, hey, that's the foundational belief. You better believe that, that Jesus is your way to heaven. I'm going to talk next week about how he is the only way and how sometimes that can be a little bit bothersome, and we're going to break that down a little bit. But today, Jesus kind of introduces a belief that I think we've all certainly heard. I think we've all certainly said, I agree with it. But I don't know that we've ever really sat down and grasped what he said and then applied it to our life. And so we're going to jump into that today. I'm going to set it up with an illustration that he talks about in the first couple of verses. And then you'll see, I'll let you know when we actually address the belief. All right. So you ready? Everybody ready? You ready? Say, Pastor Troy. I'm ready. All right. Now, now I'm ready. All right. John chapter 13, verse 1 starts like this. It was just before the Passover festival. Okay, so we're getting close to Jesus actually being crucified. That's the time frame. The, the last uh, 10 chapters or so will all be in the last week of Jesus's life. And so it's just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So Jesus knows it's coming close. There's been a lot of interactions in the past three and a half years where Jesus has said things like, it's not my time, because Jesus knew it was not his time. But he's telling you right now, I know my time's just around the corner. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So he's just kind of showing, hey, he loved his disciples. He loved us all the way to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So the devil has already influenced Judas to, to do the betrayal. And it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Jesus knows that he's the one behind the steering wheel. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's so powerful. Jesus knew he had been sent by God. Now he knew that he would be crucified, dead, resurrect, and then return to God. So he got up from the meal. Here's the illustration. He got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped Around him. Now, we spoke last week that this was a very normal thing. People would come over to your house, their feet would be dirty because they didn't have Jordans, they had sandals. And so it was pretty common for people to wash people's feet. And so Jesus gets up and he does this. He came to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You are going to wash my feet? How many of you are insecure about your feet? Anybody insecure about your feet? I got pretty feet. I'm just letting everybody know right now. Wait till summertime comes, I'll wear some flip-flops. And so Simon Peter said, oh, you, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing. Watch this. Jesus says, you do not realize right now what I'm doing, but later you are going to understand. I want you to look at the person beside you. If you don't have anybody beside you, I want you to look at the person closest to you. And I want you to tell them the title of my sermon. You ready? Here's the title. What's love got to do with it? How many of y'all sing it to your neighbor? How many of you say, what's love got to do, got to do with it? Don't make me bring Jamal up here. We'll start. Secondhand emotion. That's back when music was good. You know what I'm saying? 
all that mess now. Or they just, baby, baby, baby. Oh. Anyway, what's love got to do with it? You know, I, I've always been a believer that pictures are sometimes better than words, right? Like there's just moments where you really want to express something and you just feel like maybe the words that you would express won't quite get the message across. And so sometimes you just need illustrations or you need pictures. I was always a believer of that. Now, because of the invention of these things called gifs or gifs, depending on how you choose to pronounce it, I believe it more than ever. Because I'm a texter. I don't really like to talk on the phone. I like to text on the phone because I can multitask while I'm doing it. And there were times where I wanted to express something to somebody, but I couldn't do it the way I really felt it, right? I couldn't just do it with words. But now that they've invented these little pictures that you can put and then something happens, like there's this one, I had a buddy text me the other day and he was texting me his workout plan that he wanted me to do. And it involved like running 100 meters and then doing 100 burpees and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you've lost your mind. And so I sent them this GIF. Were we able to put them up here? I don't know if we were able to actually put them up here or not. There we go. I sent him that GIF right there. If you're watching online, it's probably gonna come on the screen, but I sent that GIF because that right there it says so much better than what I could say, right? I could have just said, no, you're insane. But instead, I sent him, that's like one of my favorite gifs right there. Like, how precious is that? Uh, uh, show me the next one. This is another one that I like to send a lot of times. You, you ever had somebody offend you on a text message? Now, when this thing moves, that girl sits up. She sits up like, what you say, right? And so sometimes when somebody sends me something and I'm like, what did you say? Right? You know, like Darla texted me and said, hey, put the girls to bed. I'm, I'm going to take a bath. I'm like, what did you say? You know what I mean? Like you had to send a gif versus, and then this is an, another one, again, that's one of my favorites. Uh, whenever, somebody, whenever somebody gets me something, they make me sad or they, they do something nice for me, I send them just the weeping gif. Any, any of y'all fans of gifs in here? You know what I'm talking about? Like you like to send them. I, I don't know if you are a, a gif or a gif. Yeah, that's kind of Democrat, Republican type stuff right there. But, but I, again, I just love them because you can send them and they get the point across. Now listen to me. You're like, what in the world does this have to do with Jesus? It has a lot to do with him. In John chapter 13, Jesus knew that what he was about to command his disciples to do was something that was very unusual and unexpected. And so Jesus thought that it might be better to start off with a picture of it or an illustration of it than to just jump straight to the words. And so the picture was washing their feet. I, I said just a couple of moments ago that it was a very common thing. It was common, but it was very common for the lowest level of servant to be the one that washed people's feet. It was just kind of known, like this is what you did, it's the lowest level, that's who did it. So it, it was not normal for a high-level servant, it was not, certainly not normal. Watch this, it wasn't even normal for disciples to wash their master's feet. That, that, that hardly ever, if ever, happened. There's no really real recording of that. that. That alone would have been odd if a disciple would have washed their master's feet. That would have been odd. It was extremely odd and shocking for their master to get up and then wash their feet. You understand what I'm saying? Like this whole scenario, when Jesus gets up and takes off the outer garments and wraps the towel around and he starts to get down, you've got to imagine this moment on them where they're like, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing? This is not, this, we don't do this. They've got somebody who can do this. We wouldn't even wash your feet. That's not even come. You can't wash our feet. Hence why Simon Peter was the only one brave enough to go, you can't wash my feet. But Jesus did it. 
And he did it because he needed to prepare them for what he was about to reveal to them. He knew that what he was doing would literally prepare them for what he was about to reveal. Because listen, up to this point, if you would have asked first century Jews what it looked like to love God, they would have said, obey his commands. And Jesus was about to add something to that with something new, a new revelation, which was this, love your neighbor. So in the process of this, Jesus gives them an unusual command. He gives them an unusual. That word new, when you go back to the original context, it meant unusual or it meant unexpected. So let's jump back into John chapter 13 and watch what happens, okay? This, this new command. So Jesus washes, washes their feet, and then after he washed their feet, Judas left. Judas watched all of that. He knew he was about to betray Jesus, so he leaves to go betray Jesus, and we pick up in verse 31. So that's what's happened in those in-between verses. It says, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. In other words, everything that's happening is happening to glorify God. Judas betraying is happening to glorify the Son. It's going to glorify God. God being glorified means the Son's glorified. It's all kind of a mixture thing because Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, or the Trinity, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. And so all this is happening to glorify God. And then he says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. It's going to be important a little bit. In other words, I'm leaving. You'll look for me. But just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. I'm going to die, be crucified, resurrect, and you can't come with me. Now, they don't know that yet, but that's what he's saying. You're not going to be able to come with me. So, watch this, a new command I give you, an unusual command that I give you, an unexpected command that I give you. Ready? Love one another, period. Love one another, period. And then here's how Jesus is so slick, because he knows what we'll do is we'll start to process what that means to us. Well, okay. Love one another, period. Well, I'm going to love Jamal like this. I'm going to love Darla like this. And I'm going to love Danny like this. You know, we started that. So he says, whoa, whoa, before you start going down that path, listen to me. Just as I have loved you. Love one another, period. How, Jesus? Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus pulls his disciples together. And he says, listen to me. The, the new culture for the church, for the ecclesia, this, this new commandment is going to be to love other people. He says, when people think of my church and the culture of my church, the thing they're going to connect it back to is how we love other people. Now watch this. Jesus is not commanding his disciples to feel something. Please catch that. He's not commanding them to feel something. He's commanding them to do something. Okay? At that current moment, Jesus makes love a verb. He says, look, this is not about you feeling I don't care how you feel. This is so, I don't even care how you feel. I'm talking about what you are doing, loving other people. It needs to be a verb. Now, look, 
before you catch this, because you could say, well, you know, I don't know that Jesus really understands the atmosphere that we're in right now. It's really hard to love people. Okay, let me, let me set you up for the atmosphere that was happening when Jesus said this, because a lot of times we skip past this kind of stuff and we don't recognize it. First of all, understand these disciples have been tight, right? They've been tight. And they basically just found out that Judas is going to betray them. They just found out that the guy who was responsible for the money is betraying them all. Isn't that low down? I have a whole message set aside. I don't know what I'm going to preach it, but watch this. That Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and he still gave him the responsibility of the money bag. That shows you that Jesus doesn't need resource, right? I mean, I, oh, I can't go there. Okay, all right. So, so anyway, sorry. So that's already going on. The people are already, you know, there, there could be offense going on in the room, right? Man, that was my boy. He was riding with us. He was always, he was saying that Jesus, come on, he said all, and now he just left and he took the money with him. What? So there's probably offense and anger going on. And then according to Luke, when he writes about this same exact experience, he says that when the disciples walked into the room, they were arguing about who was the greatest. How awesome is that, right? Like they're coming in, I'm better. No, no, I'm, the, I'm gonna be the best. No, I'm the greatest. Look what I did, I'm gonna be the greatest. They come in and Jesus says, hey, hey, hey. I'm gonna tell you who's the greatest is who learns how to love other people the way that I Love you. Jesus sees the atmosphere in the room. There's offense, there's arrogance, there's pride, there's anger, there's all this in the room amongst each other. And Jesus says, I gotta hold on. <clears throat> Clears his throat and says, Listen to me. Now there's no better time than right now to remind you that every person has value. Every person has value. Listen, disciples who are angry at Judas because of a dumb decision he made. Listen, disciples who are arguing about which one of you are better than the other. Let me tell you what really matters. What really matters is this command to love other people as I have loved you. I think this is cool that through Jesus, watch this, please catch this. Through Jesus, God, our father was saying, nothing makes me happier than when my kids love each other. Isn't that cool? No, nothing. How, parents in here. Is, it, is there literally like no better moment than when your kids love each other? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like we have two daughters, you know, uh, 10 and 6. And, and, and I don't know, maybe 99.9% .9 of the time they're at each other's throats, right? But that point zero 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 one time where they're like hugging on each other and loving each other and watching a show, it just melts our hearts, we just love to see our kids love each other. Can I, just, can I just get real point blank with you for a second? God is happiest when his kids are loving each other. So let me break it down even more. As a parent, I'm learning that you can do a lot of bad things to me. And, you know, you can, you can call me names. You can, you can offend me. You can do whatever. And I'll be okay. But when you do something bad to my kids... Did y'all hear that? Jimmy's already about to punch somebody right now. <laughs> it's just something in you. Like I, you, you literally can take anything, but if you do something to my kids, it's on like Donkey Kong. You know what I mean? Like something's going down. It's the same way with praise. You can buy me things. You can say nice things to me, and it means the world. But if you do something for my kids... When you do something and read, look, I've seen people get them gifts. I've seen people pick them up, take them home, and buy them lunch. It just blesses us so much. 
I've told this story before, but I know that there's a lot of people new watching now, so I'm gonna tell it again to really sell this point. When we first moved here, we were only here for a couple of months, and Veda got on like a t-ball team. And um, she hadn't ever played t-ball before, so she wasn't there to try to win an award or anything. But we would go every night, and we would watch her and cheer her on. And she goes up to bat one time. I'm, I promise I'll never forget this the rest of my life. She goes up to bat, and she hits an in-park home run. I don't know how it happened. It's probably because most of the outfield was like looking at butterflies or whatever, you know. And so she hits the in-park home, and she's running first base, and she runs the second base, and she runs the third base. And I'm on the chain link fence like shaking it like, go! go as if we're fixing to win the World Series. You know what I mean? And she goes around third. And as she runs home, the coach scoops her up and holds her above his head. And he's like bouncing with her. And his wife was there beside him like clapping. And all the other parents are cheering on. And I'm just crying like a little baby. I'm like, ah. And, and I, I, could, I don't even know what happened. It was watching other people love and celebrate my kid. And I wish I could tell you what it is and what it is in us that makes us do it. But the only thing I can tell you is that when God created us, one of the many things he put in us that is like him is that nothing moves him more than when we celebrate and love his children. And in the same way, nothing grieves him more than when we put down and hate his children, right? Listen to me. God loves it when we forgive one another. The next time you don't want to forgive, just remember God loves it when we forgive one another. He loves it when we encourage one another. Whenever all of a sudden you felt something, you shot that text and you said, hey man, I just want you to know I love you. Hey girl, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. God loves that. He loves it. I just see him up there with this big old grin. He loves it when we restore one another. Not just encourage them, but take somebody who's fallen and be with them and walk with them until they get their feet back on the ground and then encourage. He loves it when we restore one another. He loves it when we accept one another. Hey, hey, come on in this circle. You can be in this circle. We'll figure all that out later. Come on, come on in this circle. He, he loves it when we care for one another. And he loves it when we bear with one another. Our love for God is never more evident than when we love one another. Think about that. Your love for God, this holy, magnificent, in the clouds God, your love is never more evident for him than when you love other people. Everybody wants to be one anothered. You know what I mean? There's not one person out there who's like, oh, I really wish you wouldn't love me. They can say it. But deep down, they want it. They want to be embraced. They want to be forgiven. They want to be accepted. They want to be encouraged. Everybody wants to be one another. People come to church because they want to be one another. And they're confused when that's not what they find. People join gangs. I'm from Memphis, folks. Because they want to be one another. Everything that people do is because they want to be one another. Everybody wants to feel included in a community characterized by one another love. Right? Here's the best way to answer that. Don't say it out loud. Do you? Do you want to be one another? Do you want to be in a community that's characterized by one another love? Yes, you do. 
You're looking for it. Some of you have found it. You're looking for it. And this was always Christ's command to the church culture to love one another. I like the way that Bob Goff says it. He's an author. He authors books called Dream Big. Uh, Everybody Always, Love Does. These are phenomenal books. If you can, go read them. He says it like this. Love one another, period. And I love this part. We don't need more instructions. We need more examples. Right? Like we, We don't need more people to tell us to do it. We need more people who are doing it. We need more examples, not so much more instructions. Can you imagine a world where people were skeptical of what we believe, but they were envious on how we treat one another? Let that sink in for a second. Imagine a world where when it came to Christ followers, people were skeptical about what we believe. That's okay. You believe that this guy died and rose again. You believe he's the only way to heaven. You believe that there's a God and a son and a ghost. Like, like it's okay if you're skeptical of what we believe. That's fine. But let them get to a place where they are skeptical of what we believe, but they are envious of how we treat one another. Where they're sitting back going, they might be a little crazy, but man, they know how to love people. They might be a little lunatic, But something in me just wants to be around them. Because when I'm around them, they love everybody. They're so loving that I'm envious of it. Listen to this. Imagine a world, watch this, where unbelievers were anxious to hire Christians. Where when somebody said, wait a minute, you're a Christian? I got to hire you on the spot. Because I know you know your Bible, and I know you know that your Bible says work as if you're working for the Lord, and so you're going to come in and work, and I know, you're, I know you understand that it says love one another, so you're going to honor and respect your manager, and you're going to love your coworkers. What if they were like, I got to hire me a Christian? What if the places were fighting over the Christians? I know you applied for Wendy's and McDonald's, but I got to have you. Chick-fil-A can't be the only place with Christian workers, right? Some of them ain't Christians either. Imagine a place where they were anxious to work for Christians. Man, I got to tell you about my boss. There's just something different about him. Something different about her. What is it? I don't know. they, They listen to me when I talk. They're real fair in pay. They're real fair in time off. They... You know, they, don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't shy away from confrontation, but at the same time, they do it with a loving embrace. I don't know. It's just, I think it's because they're a Christian. Meanwhile, people are out there going, wait a minute, you're a Christian? Eh, I'm leaving. Imagine if people were anxious to work with Christians, or watch this, to live next door to Christians. All because of how well We one another, one another. And how well we one another, watch this, them as well. Wouldn't that be incredible? I can't, I have to imagine that this is what Jesus meant. When Jesus said, hey, look, I'm leaving. Come here, guys. Come here, come here, come here. Gather, 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 gather. I'm leaving. 
And they're like, oh, Jesus, what are you going to tell us? Tell us how to do that whole fish into like, you know, buffet dinner thing. Can you tell us? Because I know we're going to be hungry again. Or remember that time you walked on water? Was that like some kind of stilt thing? How did Chris Angel do that? You know what I mean? Like, how do, tell us how to do that. And Jesus says, that's not even important. None of that is important. If you will just leave out of here with a culture that says, I am going to love other people as he loves me. Well, you don't know that. No, it's not what it's about. Well, you wait till you know what they said. Can we talk for a minute about the fact that Jesus said this, knowing just a couple of hours later he'd be covered in his own blood and the saliva of people screaming, I hate you, when they were just screaming, Hosanna? And yet you want to go, well, I can't love them because they, let me know when they crucify you to a cross. Jesus says, you got to catch this. The next thing that Jesus says would go on to revolutionize Christianity. Literally. It's what caused Christian faith to become unstoppable, to cause a growth movement and ultimately change the world. And perhaps if you and I would move what Jesus is about to say to the top of our agendas, it might change the world again. I hear people saying a lot today, we just need a change in this world. Oh, if the world would just change. Let me show you how Jesus says that we could change the world. He literally says something to the disciples that if we would receive, we could possibly see the world change again. You want to see it? Okay, I guess I'll go home. Nobody wants to see it. If, if you're watching online, put something in the chat. Let me know you want to see it. How Jesus told us to change the world. Here we go. John chapter 13. We're going to go back to 34, but it's in 35. A new command I give you, love one another, period, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Watch this. This is so incredible unpack this small little verse, and literally, there's so much to it. By this, by what? How you love one another. By this, if you will believe it, by this, everyone, just Jews? No, 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 no. Gentiles? No, no, no. Republicans? No, 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 no. Democrats? No, 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 no. Men? No, 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 no. Women? No, no. Everyone. Everyone, white, black, yellow, red, everyone, by this, everyone, Christians, no, 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 everyone will know that you are what? My disciples. By your love, if you love one another. Okay, catch this. This is so cool. At that point, in that day, the way, do you know how people knew you were a follower of Jesus? You ready? Huge revelation. Because you were following Jesus. Literally. Like he was there, you know what I mean? So like he would come into places and teach and there'd be people listening. But when he left, whoever was following behind him was a follower of Jesus. That's where it comes from. 
It wasn't because they were going into a prayer closet for a couple hours. It's because they were literally walking where Jesus was walking. They were doing what Jesus was doing. This is why when Peter goes on to eventually deny Jesus, which we'll get to in a few weeks, the guy says, I think I saw you with Jesus. That's what he means. Like, I, I thought you were a follower because you were with Jesus. Now, Jesus is telling them, listen to me, telling the disciples, I've got to go. I'm leaving. And where I'm going, you cannot come. Here's what Jesus was saying. You can't follow me anymore. You can't physically be with me anymore. So from this point forward, people will not know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ because you are literally following Jesus Christ. Jesus? Yes, Peter. How will people know that we're followers of Christ? Like if, if we're not physically following you anymore, how are people going to know that we're followers of Jesus if we're not following Jesus? Jesus says, great question. Great question, Peter. They're gonna know because of the way you love other people. Now, church, go with me for a second on this because it's so easy for us to go, yep, and move on. What love must he have been talking about? It wasn't normal to love everybody back then. Jews didn't love Gentiles. People didn't love the poor. Women were highly disrespected. It, it, it wasn't this situation, you know, the religious were kind of worshiped, but, you know, we read in, time, in the Bible all the time about people who had, you know, if they had leprosy or if they, you know, if they had been born blind and the different ways they were treated. It, it wasn't normal for people to love everybody. That, that, that wasn't a normal thing. And Jesus knows that. So he says, listen, from this point forward, you're going to love the Jew and the Gentile. You're going to love the rich and the poor. You're going to love the man and the woman. And you're going to love in such a way that it's going to be odd. And it's going to stand out. And people are going to think you're crazy. And people are going to talk about you. And people are going to get in little circles and condemn you because you are such a unique lover. And when they say, why? Are they like that? Why do they love everybody equally? How can they love somebody who's their enemy? How can they pray for them? How do they love everybody? What's wrong with them? And people will go, oh, I know why. It's because they're followers of Jesus. Jesus says that our devotion for God will be illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated by our love for other people. Your devotion for God is not demonstrated by how many Bible verses you can memorize. And it's not authenticated because you're a member of a church. And it's not illustrated because you don't listen to secular music while you're driving down the street. It's illustrated. It's demonstrated. 
and it's authenticated by how you love other people. I'll give you a revelation that I got that, that was new for me and it, it changed my life. In, in, in you know, this day, this culture, biblical culture, when you had Abraham's descendants and they were considered children of God and all that, they would get circumcised and that was the outward expression that they were children of God. That's what you did. So once, you know, Abraham's descendants or, you know, so, so much that later on when the Gentiles are, have been told through Paul and through the gospel that, that the Jews can now be integrated with the, with the Gentiles and they're all one children of God. Remember, there's a whole argument, argument about, well, do the Gentiles now get baptized because of, or, I'm sorry, not baptized, uh, circumcised because of it? Because that's what, that's what they did. That was the outward expression that you are now a God follower. That's what they did. <laughs> Thank God we don't do that anymore, right? Yeah. Imagine getting saved at 37 and they're like, well, get the scissors. And it's like, I might be Baptist. You know, I, I don't know how that, you know. But, but, but here's, here's, watch this. So they go to Jesus and they're like, all right, Jesus, what's our outward expression? If you're saying that there's this new command, if you're saying that there's this new covenant, if you're saying that no longer do we sacrifice animals, but you are the one true sacrifice, if you're saying that now there's not this process of the law, but you've come to, to, uh, to, to fulfill the law, if you're saying all this, then what is the new outward expression? If you're saying it's not circumcision anymore, what is, what is the outward expression that's evidence that you are a Christ follower. What is it? Love. They were getting circumcised back then so that they could say, hey, are you a God follower? Yep, look. <laughs> and today, we're supposed to be able to go, hey, are you a Christ follower? Yes. Look. Look how I love. Look at my Facebook posts. Look at the way I treat my spouse. Look at the way I treat my neighbor. Look at the way I treat my coworkers, my boss, and those who work for me. Look how I treat people who don't look like me. Look how I treat people who don't think like me. Look how I treat people who don't believe like me. I love like he loved me. That's all he wanted. And he shocked everybody with that commandment. Now, here's the deal. Jesus knows that if we can find a loophole, we'll look for it, right? We're always looking for a loophole. This is why at one point Jesus was kind of preaching this, but he was going more of the angle of love your neighbor. This guy raised his hand. He said, hey, Jesus, uh, who's my neighbor? Because he was like, if you're just telling me to love Jews, I'm good because I'm a Jew and Jews love Jews. But do you mean like, what if, what if my neighbor's a Gentile? Like he was just kind of finding a loophole is what he was looking for. Like, is it possible that, you know, I can love them? But like, what if, what if they're not Packer fans? Like, can I, do I have to love, you know what I mean? Like he was just looking for a loophole. Because if people can find a loophole, they're you, they'll use it. You know what I mean? And so here's what I think happened. Paul, come here for a second. Do me a favor. I didn't tell anybody about this, so I hope the camera's gonna work. Sit right there. 
Jesus says, if I leave the opportunity for a loophole, people will find it. And they'll take this statement of love everyone as I have loved you and they'll pick it apart and they'll do things that they think they should do based upon how they think and they'll miss the point. And so Jesus said, I can't just say it because if I just say it, they'll find a loophole. So I need a gif. I need a picture. I need something that if I do it, they can never argue it. If I do it, they can't find loopholes in it. If I do it, when they go, what does he mean by loving other people? They can go back to that moment and they'll never forget how they feel. And so Jesus gets up. The Bible says that he took off his outer clothing. One study I did said that he took it off because he could now, he's more flexible. He could get down without, you know, without messing. And they say he wouldn't get his clothes wet or anything. I'll come back to, to another idea of that in a minute, but it says he took off the article and put on a towel, and it says he got down. They would have had sandals on then instead of these fresh Nikes. But he would have unlaced them. He would have lifted his, their leg. feet would have been dirty just from walking in the dust. He would have taken their feet and just kind of gently washed them. You know, Mark's got to be watching. Matthew's got to be watching. See now why Simon's like, you can't wash my feet. Jesus says, you may not know what I'm doing right now, but you'll understand. He continues. Bible says he took the towel that was wiped, wrapped around his waist.
Now here's what's cool. I was doing a study on why Jesus would take off the outer garments and then wrap a towel around his waist. And one study said he would do it so that he could be more flexible. Another study said it would have been more of an identification thing to where his outer garments would have been clear that he was the teacher, that he was the master. So by taking it off, he was laying aside his rights. He was laying aside his entitlement and being able to say, hey, I'm putting everything that you think why I shouldn't do this or what, I'm laying it aside. And then what I'm doing is an action so that you disciples will never, ever forget that when I tell you to love everyone as I have loved you, it's not something that you can pick and choose. It's not something that you can look for loopholes. It's, as, it's illustrated for you as perfect as it can be illustrated. Now, come here. Come here. Stand up with me for a second. I started having this thought. What if there's just somebody I can't love? It's like, Troy, you don't know what they said. You don't, you don't know what they did. Like, what if there's somebody that I just... I can't get there, Pastor. Like, I want to, but I can't get there. Listen, the more that I love you, the more I'm honoring God. And the harder they are to love, the more honoring it is to God. And so, again, to just kind of reiterate what I'm saying is I think I think the reason why Jesus had to do this before he said that, the reason he had to demonstrate before he could communicate is to make sure that people fully understood what he said when he said, hey, I'm leaving. I gotta go. And never again will people call you a Christ follower because you're following me physically. People will call you a Christ follower because of the way that you love. Amen. Father, we thank you right now for your word, for the revelation of what you were saying in John 13 that's so evident, that's so real. And Father, it's our prayer right now for our church and for our country. That, Lord, right now, I'm just speaking to Christians. That, Father, we would do what you said, which is to love everyone as you have loved us. And, Father, I know it's not easy. I know sometimes it's difficult when people have wronged us. Father, you said this knowing that in just a couple of hours you would be covered in blood, covered in spit. Father, you understood it. And that's my prayer for every one of us that moving forward from this point, Father, that becomes a belief for us. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, we trust him for our salvation. And Father, we believe that people will know we are your disciples by how we love. 
want to say this real quick and then we'll pray and close. If you're watching with us, one of the commitments I made this year is to make sure that anybody that's watching, anybody that's in the room has an opportunity to give their heart to Jesus, to follow Christ as your salvation. And so if you're watching online, again, there'll be a number, a little number on the screen. Text that so it lets us know that you're interested in having a relationship with Jesus Christ and we can reach out and connect with you. And if you're in this building, maybe you've never done that, maybe you want to start over again, I just encourage you to meet Darla and I in the lobby so that we can talk to you a little bit, help guide you. Wouldn't it be cool? It was this message that Jesus spoke that literally changed the world for Christianity. Wouldn't it be cool if it happened again? Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus dying for our sins. We thank you for your word. We thank you what you've commanded to us to walk out, to love one another. And I pray if nothing else, it starts in this room with us. It starts with those that are watching online with us. Our focus isn't to change the world, it's just to change those that are around us. And we'll only do that by loving people the way that you loved us. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.